Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Assalamualaikum everyone. I hope that you guys are good in a safe space of heart and iman. I hope that everything is going great with you. So ever since my last episode, I've gotten quite a few DMs about a bunch of different topics and a lot of them are on the same niche of how to become a better Muslim when you're a revert or how to become a better Muslim when you're living in a household that doesn't really practice Islam. How do I go through faith? Like all of this stuff about increasing faith, increasing, becoming better. And so evidently I was thinking of sitting here just doing XYZ, telling you guys the problems and how you can overcome them. But then I started thinking and I was like, you know what? I don't know about you guys, but I learned the best through a story. And if you've been on my podcast for a hot minute, you know that I shared my story and that was like, Everyone loved that episode. That was my that's my most listened to episode. And people always DM me even today and they tell me that they see themselves in my story and that you know they went through the same thing in different time frames and they're still going through it. So everyone very very much correlates with it. So I was like, "You know what? Let's drop a story because stories are the best way to learn." So if you listen to my previous episode, you know, just to cut it short, got deceived, suicidal, betrayal, yeah, you know, all that. It's easier said than done. It was pretty vicious. And I went into detail about that. And I skipped a couple years of my life in between. And this is one of the events that happened that was very, very big that I skipped over. Don't talk about it. Um, and there was quite a few more that I'm kind of skipping, jumping. There's a lot of stuff that led this to this position today. But to be truthful, I don't think that that's something I can talk about. Not just for my own sake, but for the sake of God. I think that there's certain things that should just be in, you know, like in a secret with you and God. So this is one of those things. However, this story in particular was something that I feel like I needed a hot minute to recover from. And I still recover from this. So don't act like it's over. I'm not acting like I'm perfect. I'm not. But this story was really what led me to faith. So I felt like it would be something to share with you guys. Now, I want to start off by saying that I'm going to be really eggshelling around the story. There's going to be quite a few things that I might not really explain. I might not necessarily explain what happened um, in regards to parts of the story. But I think that you guys will understand. You can read context clues. You guys will understand why or what. Like, I feel like y'all going to catch on the wave. So don't worry. It's not going to be too eggshell. But I'm not going to dive too deep because that is a little... Girl, that's a messy story. But... This is a story of how Broken Promise changed my life and it gave me faith. So, if you listen to my previous episode, like I said, when I shared my story, you know, the basics got heard. But there was a lot of internal war that I went through and I talked about that on there. And one random fact that I shared on there was how much I love fireworks. And I, I love, 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 love fireworks. It's always been something that makes me happy. Growing up, it was like my biggest passion, fireworks, right? And I also shared in my story about how like maybe... A year and a half or two years ago, I was, it was the 4th of July and I was very excited. I was watching fireworks and that night something really, really big happened and I had a feeling that something was going to happen, a feeling that I was going to get betrayed, a feeling that, you know, I was going to get really bigly deceived, but I pushed those feelings aside, shoved it under the bus, told my sixth sense that it was crazy and I went to bed, woke up the next day, got obliterated. Your girl was ready to do something, like leave. It was insane. Okay. So I kind of share a little like sentence about that in my past story. So I'm going to go into depth about that today because this story is quite crazy. So evidently, 
it was that july 4th night and i was so happy just watching the fireworks and i was like this girl this is it like this is what i'm living for like i was so happy right and at this time like i'm i'm transitioning towards like a little bit of islam like i'm in it i'm praying like i said i always was there but i just wasn't there like i wasn't 100 percent in my fullest like i wasn't feeling it that much but i was getting there and i i started realizing the consequences of sin the consequences of doing wrong and hellfire like i really started putting my brain to it so now i'm kind of fearing allah so at the time may allah always you know keep us steadfast besides the point but yeah so kind of fearing allah at this place you know just kind of transitioning to deen but i wasn't like i needed this big push bro and let me tell you this was the big push like this push me flied me away if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't be here. So anyway, I had a very close friend. And I think I want to preface this before I go into anything. You can have a group of friends that is really, really good to you. They can treat you nice. They can give you advice. They can be there for you. And they can be good friends. But then you can also have a group of friends that treats you amazing. They're there for you. They give you advice. They're kind. But in your absence, there's someone completely different. And in your absence, they obliterate your self-worth. And they have nothing good to say about you. And I was in scenario too, where with a lot of people... You know, time and time again, like, I knew these people weren't good for me. And they knew that probably this situation wasn't going to work out. But the thing is, when you meet someone, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not one to get manipulated. But the way that I was manipulated in some of those friend groups, oh my god, girl, I was a toy. So, I'm just saying that as it is. I'm just saying as it is. Manipulated. When you get super manipulated by someone for six, six, eight months straight, you know, like, at one point, you don't even see the manipulation. Because you don't realize you're being manipulated until after you come out of it. Because this person is just so perfect. This person, these friends, they treat you so good that this is like a friend group from heaven. And it was kind of that situation for me. So they confided in me. I confided in them. We always told each other secrets. We've cried in China. Like, we've done it all. You know what I mean? You know what good, real, raw friendship is like. That's what that was. And, you know, funny story. A lot of the stuff they told me was a lie. I didn't know that. But I told them real truths. I told them real emotions. I thought we was all being real up in here. And, you know, it's it's crazy because some people, they'll create this little storyline, this little image of themselves, and they'll drag that crap out. Like, they'll lie to you. They'll lie to you. But the little, little things, like, what are you doing? And they'll be like, oh, I'm doing this. Like, you don't got to lie about little stuff like that. But they had created the storyline, this image, and they were reputing that image. So I didn't know because I was completely, like, oblivious to all of this. You know, I was a freshman. I just came to high school. I didn't know about any of this that much. So, kind of naive, but I wasn't a stupid idiot either, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't an idiot about it, but you don't realize you're getting manipulated till you're out of it. That's just the truth. Unless, you know, you really, really, like, you're very keen about this stuff, then you might catch on. But it becomes very difficult to leave. Because when you confide yourself into someone, you tell them everything, you tell them all your secrets, you tell them all this and that, leaving them becomes very, very difficult because you know if you leave them... All hell might break loose. And let's be honest, if you're in high school, you can't do that. You can't just cut off somebody. People are not that mature in high school. When you cut them off, that means that you are also letting your secrets out to the public. Like, they dropped the bag. And they did. They did. They're going to tell everything to everyone. And that's that's what I went through. So that's why I struggled to cut these people off. Because I knew that everything of me was going to be gone. So July 4th night... I had a feeling that like something bad was going to happen. Woke up, found out I got deceived. And I got deceived by someone that I never thought would even deceive me. Like I got deceived by the whole friend group. Let's be honest. I got deceived by the whole friend group. But you know how in every single friend group, there's someone that you're just really, really close with? Yeah, got deceived by that. And I didn't see that coming, to be truthful. I mean, 
I kind of did. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, he gave me signs. God, There was multiple times when I'd have dreams of this stuff happening. And I would push it aside. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going crazy. But I just didn't feel like it was going to happen. You get me? I wasn't 100% on board. But I got deceived. I got betrayed. And I opened up my phone. And it was just all hell broke loose. People are texting me. They're like, I didn't know you were like this. You were like, you had this going on. Like, what is this? Like, da, 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 like Just everything, everything, everything. And this doesn't necessarily always have to be bad. But even your most vulnerable emotions, you tell that to someone because you trust them. Not because you expect them to tell everyone. And, you know, I have this mindset, which is, I guess it's bad. But my mindset is, if I hurt you, I'm cheating on myself before I'm cheating on you. And a lot of people don't think like this. But this is the way that I think, whether it's in a relationship, friendship, family, whatever. If I'm deceiving you, I'm lying to you, I'm betraying you, I'm cheating on myself before I am cheating on you because I confided I confided parts of me in you. Simple. That's how I view it. So that's what I thought. I was like, we all confide in each other. How can you cheat on yourself by, che- by you know, cheating on me, by betraying me, by hurting me? How can you do that? So that's just the scenario. And I was just kind of free-floating, confused, lost, brokenhearted, crying, sobbing on the side of my bed, crying for nights and nights. And this is where it gets crazy. And moreover, I wasn't hurt by the friend group, really. Like, I was hurt that, like, yeah, you know, they all deceived me. They all teamed up. They all did this. But I was really hurt by this one specific person. This one specific person that I put everything in. I sacrificed everything to watch this person become better and they did this to me so i was really hurt about that one person it was painful i was so hurtful about that person and they were very apologetic they used to text me every single hour of the day for weeks i'm sorry i'm sorry like i messed up like you know bestie like i didn't mean to do this whatever you know they were really apologetic about it but this this is where the story gets crazy because if you thought i was just talking about a little bit of betrayal i'm not this is where it gets crazy evidently i wasn't that forgiving at the time and honestly i didn't have the power in me to forgive i was insanely damaged that I never forgave that person in that moment. Of course, alhamdulillah, things are straight now. But I didn't forgive that person in the moment. Now get ready. This really goes crazy. I'm ignoring their texts. I'm ignoring their texts. I'm ignoring them. Open up my phone one day and they say, hey, I took my shahada. And I'm staring at my phone. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is, you have got, you are out of your mind. You took your shahada. For what? For what? Like me and that person, we've talked about Islam before. We've talked about the fact that Islam is the only religion that makes sense. But Shahada, like I was I was stunned. I was like, what do you mean? Like I was so shocked. And let me tell you, maybe that person did that to grab my attention and they surely got it. So I mean we can never judge whether someone's, you know, believer or disbeliever. We don't know. But there was no witness. And I was like, what did you say to take your shahada? And they were like, oh, this is what I said. You know, like Allah, one and only God, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, messenger. Like, And I was just like, silence. I, I was just silent. And I was like, so first you betrayed the crap out of me. And now you take your shahada, leaving me hopeless because me and you are both in a county where we don't got the resources for Islam, period. We don't. Masjid barely open like there's just not a community here there's barely so now you put a guilt in my heart because how how am i supposed to leave a revert just hanging how am i supposed to do that i can't do that i don't care what you say i can't do that so this person takes their shahada and i'm just kind of like what is going on 
and automatically i gotta push this aside because like i mentioned earlier at this point i'm in the state of fearing allah i'm kind of like in this little bubble where i'm kind of fearing allah kind of you know in and out and whatever right and i just needed that push so i had knowledge about islam but i wasn't a mufti like i wasn't great i know that much to be teaching other people but i could tell you how to pray i could tell you about the quran i can tell you about some of the miracles so it wasn't i wasn't dry but i wasn't great at it either i had no choice i was left there and i had to push it aside and like i said i was fearing allah so i was like okay let me teach you about islam i taught them about islam this story gets really painful so just just sit down just if i didn't mention that already i taught them whatever i could know from the bottom of my heart and i made dua for them like nobody's business i sent them videos i'm like this is how you pray this is the position this is what you do and i told them i'm like you need to be having a witness when you take your shahada and i mean you don't have to but it's very preferred because i to this day if you want me to be honest with you i have no clue that ever took their shahada and i'll tell you why this stung me really hard recently as the age that i'm at now but anyway i taught them whatever i knew taught them like this is how you pray this is what you do this is like the Quran is really, really you know it's complex for someone that's a reader at first. I'm like, don't worry about the Arabic. Learn like Surah Fatiha, this is what you do. Taught them everything. And this was over a course of a month or two. So I'm just telling them all that I know. We talked about the scientific miracles. We talked about why that person was previously, I think either Catholic or Christian. We talked about why that was wrong and how you can right your wrong and how Islam is the truth. If you are either of those faiths, please forgive me. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm saying it from my perspective. We talked about it. They understood. And it came to the point where they were like, it was like the little, little things that made me grow so much trust. Like, oh, I don't have a prayer mat. What can I pray on? Like here. And I was like, oh, you could take a towel. Like, you know, like you get a clean towel. You could get a clean something. Just pray on it to make sure it's clean. It was the little, little questions that started to grow me faith that this person did take, did take their shahada. Because again, me and you are never in a place to call someone a kafir. To call someone that, oh, you never took your shahada. We can't do that. Right? But I started to grow faith in that person that, oh, they they took their shahada, like, they're changing. And then, you know, little questions like, oh, hey, I have a dog, what do I do? Or, like, I have separate prayer clothes now for, because of my dog. Like, the actions that they did made me believe that, wow, this person's genuinely Muslim. They would ask me questions like, hey, did you pray Fajr yet? Hey, like, it's Fajr time, um, I'm gonna go pray. Or, like, hey, I'm out right now, but I'm gonna go head home just because it's prayer time. Or, like, um... I have like, what What can I pray against? Like, should there be a wall in front of me? Or like, can I have my bed in front of me? Like, little, little things about like that. Or my mom came in my room today. Like, what am I supposed to tell my parents? Like, just, you know, like these things that reverts go through. The struggles of feeling alone. And it warmed my heart. And I, 1000% from the shadow of my, like, I know, no doubt. I was like, this person's Muslim now. And my heart was filled with joy. And I was like, someone got guided to Islam because of you know maybe the few conversations we had now don't get me wrong it's allah that guides one thousand percent never saying anything different is allah that opens up hearts but you know i did have conversations about islam with that person and they told me that they pondered upon it which is what really forced their shahada to get moved forward quick so i just felt happy i was like i'm sinful but god gave me this god gave me this opportunity god you know blessed me with this and i i believed in it so i was very happy and you know, I taught this person about the dean, but, but, but that person still hurted me. They hurt me very, very bad before, and they've hurted me for the previous years. It wasn't a one, two, three months, six month friendship, it was years. So while, yes, you may have accepted the faith, it's very, very difficult for me to look past that. 
And today, I'm going to tell you most confidently the biggest part of my heart now that I'm a lot more older. Me and you don't have a right to not forgive someone. We have to forgive anyway. It doesn't matter if you don't like them. It doesn't matter what they did to you. You are going to forgive them. Because you are, who are you? Who, who am I? Who gave us the right to be upset? You want to be treated so good by God, but you don't want to treat his old creation good? No, we don't do that. You're going to forgive someone regardless. Now, you don't have to get back into contact with them. You don't got to do that. But you're only punishing yourself by not forgiving them. Simple. You're going to learn that the hard way. Listen here, you're going to learn the hard way. So, of course, now, alhamdulillah, I forgive everyone. I'm on good terms with them. But at the time, I couldn't forgive them. And at the time, it was like the, the feelings of what they did to me beforehand just irked me. And it was kind of like, oh, you took your shahada. Your sins are forgiven. But you still hurt my heart. You still hurt my feelings. You still did this to me. Who am I supposed to talk to? Because look at this. There's two different dynamics now. There was one person that I used to confide every single thing into, that I used to tell every single bit of my worries too and now we have someone that took their shahada out of nowhere and now i have to bury whatever i feel under the rug and be kind to this person and guide this person and help this person because this person was guided by allah and under allah's authority i have nothing left to say and i agree and that's exactly why i helped them but i was too weak in my own being to continue talking to this person because you can forgive someone but you may not want to be around them. And that was my case. I forgave them, but I didn't necessarily want to be around them. But then they took their shahada. And then I was left stunned because how can I abandon someone like that in a place where there's no Muslims? And my biggest fear was that I'm going to be held accountable on the day of judgment because this was someone that wanted to practice the faith and I didn't help them. That was my problem. And now I know what people are going to say like, oh, you know, there's YouTube, there's Google. Yeah, yeah, there is. But there's little, little things that you can only learn through someone. So they had no one except me. And I was so thousandly percent confident that on the day of judgment, I'm going to be put forward in front of God and God's going to ask me. I had someone that wanted to embrace Islam. Why did you turn them away? Why didn't you help them? Where were you? Because our job as Muslims is to help them. Our job as Muslims is to spread the word and you failed. And those those words, those hearing that, knowing that, that Allah probably would have, you know, like I would have been held accountable for that, drove me insane. So I had no choice but to help them. But I'm still hurt. I'm still damaged. Like damaged. Like damage is an understatement. I was very broken. So I had to balance it out. And I had to shove up the way that I felt for the sake of Allah, for the authority of Allah. Because I knew that I had to help this person. But evidently, let's not act like emotions don't exist. The topic of what they did to me came up, to, came up quite often. It did. And quite often we would talk about it. And I'm just like, I just can't believe you did that. Like, me and you, yeah, I'm hoping you for your faith. I'm hoping you for Islam, but I can't believe you did that. And, you know, they'd always say, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I never meant to do it. Never did it. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. But, like, you hurt me. You know that everyone's hurt me, and now you hurt me too. So it was just that kind of icky situation where you don't want to talk to someone, but you got to talk to them. And I feel like I, unintentionally I obligated myself because I felt like I would Allah would be mad at me. So time came. Taught them how to pray. I told them all that I knew. Sent them YouTube videos, sent them links, sent them resources, told them where the mosque is, did everything. And then I was like, hey, this is everything. I respect you. I respect what you've done for me. And I forgive you from the bottom of my heart. And I'm sorry if I messed up, but I just cannot talk to you anymore. I just can't. Because if I keep talking to you, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you with your faith. Helping you is declining my faith. Helping you is ruining my feelings. And, you know, your body and your well-being has huck over you in Islam. It has authority over you. You need to take care of yourself. You need to do your self-care. And talking to you is just bringing up more wounds. So I can't do this. So I gave them everything that I knew. Gave them the masjid phone number, the address. Gave them the, you know, how to pray. This is what you do. Everything. And I was like, I'm sorry. Gotta go. 
And this is also that phase where I went ghost on social media, deleted everything. No one, barely to anyone had my number, talked to nobody, went ghost. No one had any way to contact me. And it was primetime COVID. So I wasn't leaving my house either. And so I've isolated myself. And I cannot imagine to you, I cannot even put in words how many months I cried after that. Every single day, I would cry and I would cry and I would cry and I'd be like, see, you're so weak, you're horrible, you're bad, you did this, you turned down a believer, that person's probably out there in the world right now, confused, doesn't know how to embrace the dean, and you're here so selfish, worried about yourself, you're here so selfish, not caring about the fact that someone wants to embrace Islam, I'm like Allah gave you this gift, like what, what are you on, and I, I punched myself for it every day. There was nothing that I could do to change it. And every single day I would think about it, I would think about the situation, and nothing would change in my heart. And I would tell myself, I'm like, yo, you don't owe yourself any guilt. You didn't mean to do it. That didn't, you know, like it isn't your fault. But at the same time, my nafs, my, yeah, I guess it was shaitan, really, so much overpowered me. And at this time, again, I'm not that close to the deen, overpowered me so much that I believed that I was at fault for everything. And so it was a back and forth battle where, you know, that person, I gave them one source to talk to me. Guess which one? I'll wait. Email. I know. Laugh it out. Laugh it out. Laugh it out. Laugh it out. I laugh it out. Email. And why did I do email? Because I don't check my email. Why did I do email? Because email is not like Snapchat or like Instagram or like you text it, you are quickly reply. I gave them my email. So it could be cordial. So it could be like, you know, courtly status. So it could be very very limited give them my email and i know laugh it out 21st century your girl gave an email shut up okay let it go i I had no choice i don't want to give my number i don't want to give anything that i check too often but i also didn't want to abandon this person so email duh give them my email spams spams always dm me always like email me i just always 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 like hey how do i do this and like you know just be like i'm okay i hope you're okay like on my birthday they'll be like oh happy you know 16th birthday i'm so sorry like there was always some type of sorry and uh, you know a lot of apologies and at one point we made a promise i made a promise with one of these close friends of mine and i told them and i was like you hurt me and i probably hurt you and while me and you may be besties for the rest of you know girl i love you you really did me wrong and you did me wrong more than anyone else ever could more than family can so what we'll do is that evidently I wanted to continue that friendship, to be honest. Like, I was hurt. I was I was upset at them, yeah. But I wanted to continue it. Because, you know, again, like I said, you've confined so much in a person, it's very, very difficult to imagine your life without them. Let's say you're in a habit of always talking to someone. Breaking that habit is very difficult. And I had that problem. So, and also I was becoming a better Muslim myself at this phase, and so were they. So I was like, you know what? Let's focus on our, let's focus on the religion. Let's focus on what Allah has said. Let's give it two, three years when I'm, you know, a lot more sane, I've healed, I've gotten out of it, you have gotten out of it, we'll become friends again, we'll try to rekindle this friendship, we'll try to take care of ourselves, you know, we got this girl, so that was the vibe that we left off, left out on, and I thought it would end all there, and I, I genuinely believed that this person was doing that, so my motive became if I continue to become the best Muslim that I can be, I continue to worship Allah, I continue to do all these things, Allah will help me open up my heart, rekindle my friendship back with this person. Because the person was great, let's be honest. But what they did to me wasn't good. And how they were behind my back also wasn't good. But, again, like I said, you just have attachments with people. And I had an attachment. So in my heart, it was like, 
if I worship Allah more and I get closer to Islam more and I do more and more and more and more, like Allah will at one point heal my heart, heal their heart, and we can become friends again. And we can rekindle this friendship again. And everything will be good and, you know, whatever again. So that's what I thought. Because emotionally, I didn't have the capacity to become friends with that person. But I wanted to. And it hurt me to see them upset. And I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe at some point it was emotional guilt manipulation. It could have been. And maybe it was. To be evident, it probably was. But that's just the type of person I am. Where if someone emotionally guilts me or they make me feel bad, like I, I get really, really sensitive about it. And it's not good. It's not good, girls. Don't do that. But we kind of have it all in us. So I was starting to solely worship for the sake of this person. For this person to be on the deed. And my guilt of not being there to help that person. Because I just physically, emotionally, mentally was so absent from my own life. That I had to take the time out. Guilted me so severely to constantly start to worship. So then I was waking up for the hajjah. I was doing all the things that I did. Started praying, reading Quran. And then, you know, like I mentioned in my story. Started listening to Naman Ali Khan. And then I started like getting into prophet stories. And then I started doing this and this and this and that. And then just everything. Right? So evidently a transition happened and it was very subtle i stopped listening to music at one point and i was like okay and alhamdulillah i don't listen to it but um it was a very very hard habit to quit but i was like okay i'm gonna stop listening and you know like allah's gonna see these changes and when allah sees these changes he's gonna open up my heart make me how i was before make the relation like it was before and everything will be perfect yeah i get stabbed again just wait bestie just wait this continued for I think maybe all of really COVID lockdown and even till the beginning of this year. And this is where the wounds are a little bit fresh because this happened literally less than a month ago. I, I guess you could say I didn't talk to that person for nearly a year or two. And I mean, like it was occasional like checkup, but at one point I went ghost. I couldn't bear it. And I hate to say this and I keep repeating that because I know that some people might say, Oh, you're, you're, you're like, you're so weak. You're so horrible for doing this. I don't think anyone understands how low I was at that point that I wasn't even talking to like my family. I wasn't even talking to my best friends. I didn't have it in me to even talk. I was so depressed that I wouldn't even want to get out of the bed in the morning. Like it was that type of situation. They didn't want to shout out or do nothing. It was that bad. So how do you expect me to sit here and help someone else with their faith? I can't even help myself. So, you know, live, love, laugh, live in life. I'm healing. I'm getting better. The situation's over. I'm like, you know, Allah will bring that person right back to me when time comes. If they're written for me, they're written for me. You, It can't miss me. You know, there's a beautiful example. I think of how Yusuf al-Islam's dad, how like he smelled his scent, but he couldn't find him. And even if he's nearby, like, like I said, they, there's this example that even if something close to you, you're not going to get it until Allah lets you get it. And even if something's so far away from you, if it's written for you, it will do anything to get to you. So I lived by that. And I told myself that every single day, every single morning. I was like, you know, this person's written for me. They're going to come for me. If this per person's written for me, it's going to happen. If this person's like, it, I just, I just believed that. And I kept waiting. And I was like on a time clock. And I was like, okay, so this person's going to tell me. Oh, let's bring them back. And keep in mind that my guilt has not finished. Fast forward to literally maybe two, three weeks ago. I found out. That this person is doing some things that are completely out of the fold of Islam. Completely. And it's not my place to judge. We've all messed up. We've all done wrong. But this person has done things that probably are 
obliterating the faith. And from the lifestyle that this person has started to live, it was an automated assumption that maybe this person has left their prayer. And moreover, maybe this person even left their deen. Now, may Allah forgive me. I'm not judging. I'm not saying anything, bro. Like, there's Muslims that are off. They don't necessarily, you know, follow the religion. And they come back. And they come back strong force. I'm, I may be a good Muslim right now. I could die as a coffin. May Allah protect all of us. May Allah forgive me. May Allah bless that to all of us. Happiness. Bless us all with Jannah. Bless us all with, you know, dying as like a Muslim. And as a good one. And dying as a martyr. So, I pray that all for all of us. But we can't judge. But, let's be honest. From the open what we see in my mind the first thought i had was was this person ever muslim to begin with or was all of this a setup to emotionally manipulate me and that is when i just broke down and this was literally less than a month ago and I'm, i still think about it and i just i just broke down and i was like how is this person doing this and so i confronted them i whipped out the email whipped it out and i started talking to them and I was like what is this like I heard this 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 from someone today and I heard from this girl this and I'm hearing that you're doing this now and you know you're with this person and you're doing all these things what is this and what they said to me kind of broke my heart and they were like well I can't wait for you forever now can I I was like what do you mean wait for me you're not waiting for me we're doing this for God like we we did this together we decided together that we were gonna fix ourselves we decided together that we we're gonna fix our iman so what do you mean, wait for me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we were subconsciously waiting for each other. We are subconsciously waiting for us to become the best people that Allah will reunite us and will help us each other with Iman. But it was also for God. We did it for God. We did it so God could see the good in us. So God can help us also heal because we've done so much damage. So what do you mean, wait for me? And they were just like, oh, you know, it's been like two years, a year and a half. I don't even know. And they were like, it's been so long. You don't even check up on me. You don't even care for me. Why the hell should I sit here? Like, you don't think they said in a kind way, but it was just kind of like, why should I continue? You completely abandoned me. And it was this long, long, constant text of how I abandoned them. And it was you abandoned me. I was left alone. This happened. You like at one point and I hate I'm not going to blast this person. I mean, Allah forgive me if I was anything wrong. At one point, this person was near jail. At one point, this person was near death. And they told me some of these things. And they were like, where were you then? And I was like, you don't understand. Like, I was battling my own freaking battle. I was dealing with suicide head face. And I was like, did you ever pray? Like, did you ever do the things that I told you? They were like, oh, you know, I got into college. It got really busy for me. And all this happened. And they never directly answered my question. So I'm not going to expose anyone's sin or say what they did or what they didn't do. Because I myself don't know. But it was my nightmare that I thought that it would be. And it became true. They put a big burden of blame saying that I uh, I abandoned them and that I never checked up on them I never cared in the first place and some of the stuff they went through broke my heart they were at one point near jail almost you know near death hospital multiple times with problems with their families like they gave me just a like a little bit of the surface and how they couldn't even cope with some of the stuff that were happening in their life afterwards and they were trying to reach out to me for help, but I abandoned them and all of these things. And if you want me to be quite evident with you, till this day, I still blame myself. I still sometimes sit here and I'm like, wow, like what? It wouldn't have killed you 
it wouldn't have killed you to go there and just kind of check up on how that person's doing but i i couldn't even check up on myself like i was saying like i couldn't even live with the family i couldn't even talk to them so what what are you expecting from me i was that emotionally drained that even getting up for my prayer was a hardship and not only that i was going through physical sickness i had a lot of stuff going on so i just couldn't and yeah it was very very hurtful and evidently it was a big blame and a lot of people they were talking about it and they were like you know this person says that you abandoned them and uh, you have no right to be mad you have no right to act the way that you do you don't have any right to feel anything you abandoned them they're not wrong they're not wrong and i sit here and i still sometimes think about it and i'm like i was a horrible person who abandoned an innocent maybe revert in this world and you know islam is one of the growing religions but a lot of people are leaving it because not a lot of people are getting the help that they need and i sat here and i promised you that this religion would bring you peace and this religion would bring you comfort and then you ended up in the hospital in your jail about to die like it's all a hot take it's not okay and of course we all know that in islam you know you go through things for a test. You go through things that make you better. You get closer to Allah. Like, you got to stay on the religion or else life is going to seem purposeless. Told him about that. And I was like, did you not remember any of the words that I said to you? About how I said to you that this life is a test. That things are going to be okay. Like, did you not remember any of this? That Allah doesn't burden a soul more than he can bear? And they were like, yeah, but at the end of the day, look at you. Like, you, you were the one. You abandoned. And, you know, they came about it in a nice way. And it was hurtful. And they were like, I'm still not over what you did to me. I'm like... Wait, what I did to you, do you not remember what you did to me in the first place? Why why this all of this is happening? Why I had to leave? Why I had to go on like a year and a half journey of talking to nobody and isolating myself in the first place? Do you not remember that? And But it was just a little battle of picking wounds and scabs and whatever in, in a kind way. And yeah, I, I couldn't do anything about it. Nothing. And seeing that they might be doing some certain sin or seeing that they might be doing stuff that's out of Islam or maybe to even think the fact that they might have never been Muslim in the first place and it was emotional guilt, whatever the situation may be, I could not get over it. None at all. And I cried about it for days. And I shared this advice that I got in one of my previous episodes. I hit up someone that I knew mind that i don't know this person a lot but i know that this person gives lots of dawah and this person has converted lot much a lot lots of people i hit up this person and i'm like hey i know me and you ain't close but when you know me me and you also both know that when it's time for help is help so i talked to them and i was like i hope this person they you know they took their shahada and i did whatever i could but i had to abandon them and you know at this time we're also abandoning the life of free mixing so I was like, I had to abandon everything because I wanted to become better on my deen and I had to fix myself. And I was just crying. Like, I remember that day so well. I was sitting outside of my pre-calculus class in the parking lot crying and I was just bawling my eyes out. And I was like, what am I going to say to Allah? I'm going to stand in front of Allah one day. Allah's going to ask me. Allah's going to ask me. There was someone you left them. Why did you leave them? Allah's going to ask me. You know how important brotherhood and sisterhood is in Islam? Two second pause. Do y'all know how important it is? How important it is to bend your back and help your brothers and sisters. To help them. To nourish them. To help them stay on the deen. On the religion. To stay on this path of Surat al-Mustaqim. Do you know how important that crap is, bro? That stuff is insane. Like, it is so important. And I was off. Like, I was... 
and don't get me wrong like also in this time frame i had this podcast i was helping people and i I joined this thing where they were um they help new muslims so i was talking to lots of reverts i was helping a lot of people with you know this is how you pray i've made lots of new connections with people from around the world and i've, I've taught them given them advice like I'm, I'm doing everything now and one of the reasons why i do everything that i do today is because i have severe guilt that i was not there for someone when time was right so if you wanted to know one of the hidden motives besides the fact that you know i want this stuff to live on and get me to jannah and you know do everything to help people i have severe guilt in my heart that i wasn't able to help someone so now I go out of my way and I help even more people. And if you ever DM me on Instagram, you know that every single thing, every single time, almost, I ask someone, I'm like, is there anything you're struggling with in your iman? Or if you need something, shoot me a DM. I always tell people that because I need to, I need to bend my back and help my sisters. I need to bend my back and help my brothers. Y'all, we all need to be helping each other. We do, but we don't. And that's the problem. And so I have all this guilt and I'm telling this person, I'm like, I'm I'm guilty, like Allah's not gonna forgive me. And it feels like no matter what I do, no matter how many good deeds I do, no matter how many people that I help, doesn't matter if I become a hafiz, doesn't matter what happens, Allah's not gonna forgive me. Because this one sin, horrible. Worst thing you can ever do in the world, this one sin is the all and be all. Allah's not going to look past this. And one thing that I did that was very, very bad, and I still try to overcome it, is subconsciously in my mind, I told myself that every single time this person is committing a sin. I am being held accountable because they were Muslim. I completely abandoned them and it was my wrong. Now, you may listen to this and be like, girl, you're crazy because everyone has their own free will. And this person was more than, was older than me. They had enough knowledge to be guided. They have enough knowledge to be on the proper path. They had their phone. They had internet. They knew what they were doing. They could have changed their situation, but they didn't. But in my mind, Shaitan, he really took this moment. He overcame me and I couldn't look past that. The only thing that I could look at was the fact that I abandoned this person. And I heard it front on from their own mouth. You abandoned me. So if I'm feeling this way and you tell me this as well, then obviously you're confirming you're confirming my mental belief. And I was like, it doesn't matter no matter what I do. Allah's not going to forgive me. And in that moment, I was like on edge. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm ending this. I'm ending this whole little religious journey. Who am I? I'm a liar. I'm a hypocrite. I sit here telling people that I'm going to, you know, that I'm, this person that i'm giving religious advice i'm giving you know that well like who am i i abandoned someone do you not remember and you know to you guys you guys might hear this in my life like oh it's not that big of a deal but to me it was the biggest deal because this was the first person i ever met in my life that was a revert and i left and i let them on edge so i just was like okay i'm going to hell straight up may allah protect us i stuck for allah but i was like yeah that's the situation allah's not gonna forgive me there's no point in me trying but i dm that person and this person gives lots of dawah, and I was like, this is my situation. I'm absolutely obliterating, bawling my eyes out. And I was crying, and I think they knew I was crying too. And I was like, I, I can't do this. And I feel like I'm going to go to hell. Like, I feel like I'm to blame for everything. And they sent me a voice note back, and they were like, hold on, take a breath. And I was like, I can't, I'm crying. And they were like, hold on, take a breath. And I was like, okay. And then they were like, Allah says in the Quran, that he will forgive all sins, even shirk. Allah will forgive all sins. Allah will forgive all sins. All of them. So where is your sin excluded? And I was like, it, it ain't. But you know, like this person's out there and they're doing this crap. And it's like they're living the fold of Islam. And if they do, then I'm getting blamed. And they're like, no, 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 no. If you did your job by telling them how to pray, by teaching them about, you know, the religion, by showing them, like, for a few months, too, by, you know, telling them where the mosque is, like, you gave them the resources. You didn't leave them abandoned. You gave them the resources. You taught them. You told them whatever you knew. 
then this is not your fault. And I was like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like the journey of being a revert, you need to help them every day. You need to be there. This is not an easy journey. I'm a born Muslim and I'm telling you this. You need the help every day. This is not, it's not easy. But they were like, what you're not understanding is that the past doesn't exist and nor does the future. The past only lives in our memory as much as we let it live. So it's only alive as much as you want it to be alive. And the future's not even here yet. You know, we paint pictures about our future saying that I'm going to become this, I'm going to do this. Funny part is you might not even be a part of that big picture. So the past doesn't exist. So ask yourself, if the past doesn't exist, why are you still holding on to all of this? And I, I didn't know what to say after that. And I was like, yeah, you're right, but that doesn't, you know... Take away the fact that I didn't help them. They were like, no, you helped them to whatever capability you could. And after that, if you needed to leave, then you have the huck and right to do that. Because you couldn't do anything else in that moment. And there was no point in me talking to that person excessively anyway. And I remember so much that day. I think about it every single time when I'm in that parking lot. About things that that person said to me. And it just took I think maybe yearly, maybe two years or a year of burden off of me. And you know, these words, they sound simple. The conversation was deep. The words, they sound simple. But it felt like for the first time in two years, I was taking like a breath of fresh air. And it was, oh my God, it was beautiful. And I just loved it. And I was just, I was crying, but I was so, I felt better. And I remember sitting there and I was like, there's nothing that I could do about it. And they they told me this example. And the example is brought up on really perfect timing. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his uncle, when he was about to die, you know, great person. May Allah be pleased with him, but he didn't accept Islam. He didn't take his shahada. Everyone was like, you know, take your shahada, take your shahada. He didn't take it. And that's the thing. Sometimes, even the most great people, no matter how much force and push you put on them, maybe Islam is not written for them. And this person said to me, when you're truly, truly entering Islam for the right reasons, and you are truly trying your best, 99.8% of the time, you're not going to go astray because you actually 100% of the time, because you know that no matter what happens, there's a test. You know, no matter what happens, that Allah's not going to burden you more than you can bear. So you're not going to fall into this perception of what people tell you because you know that Allah's going to be there for you. So if you enter the religion for a right reason and you really put your full on full intention, yeah, sure, you may have low Mondays, you may have bad days. It's not always going to be easy. Thousand percent, no one's saying that. But you're going to know that no matter what happens, there's one God. And that Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is example for the humankind and mankind. And he's the last prophet. You're going to believe in the statement with your whole heart. And I was like, that's very, very true. Because if you enter Islam, it's not just a religion. This is a lifestyle change. You're changing everything when you come into Islam. You're becoming someone brand new. This isn't just a religion. This isn't just a Sunday church. This is not that. We're praying five times a day. We have so many responsibilities upon us in this deen that we need to be fulfilling. And it's peace, it's beautiful, don't get me wrong, but this is a lifestyle change. And yeah, so you can't be entering Islam for the wrong reasons. Now I know that there's certain people that revert and they're like, I can't handle this, I can't pray, I can't do this. But they have the belief of one God. They have the belief of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So of him being a, you know, role model for mankind and him being the last prophet. They have this belief in the Shahada. They have proper, true confinement in the Shahada. So... Even if you struggle, you make your intention pure, Allah will help you. And then that person told me, maybe, you know, we can't judge. We can't say someone's a kafir or not. But maybe that person never converted in the first place. And you're sitting here for the past two and a half years, feeling guilty, depressed, sad, for someone that wasn't even Muslim.
And after, I, I just, even to this day, I sit here and I think about it. And I'm just kind of like, wow, like, was this person Muslim? Whether they were or not, the way that Allah planned this out was absolutely perfect. Because because of that, because of my fear of hurting, my fear of abandonment, or emotional guilt, whatever it may be, emotional manipulation, whatever, we don't know someone's intention. I could sit here on screen and say that I'm Muslim. You guys will believe me because I'm talking about it. But there's no proof, right? So anyone can say anything about anyone, right? But alhamdulillah, I believe in Islam. And alhamdulillah, we can't judge anyone. And I want to preface that. I'm not trying to judge anyone. They're probably Easter Muslim. They probably pray. I don't even know. But very, very important to remember that faith is really perfected through a lot of actions we have to try our best to become the best Muslims. Now, at the end of the day, you can do all the good deeds, but your your good deeds are not, like, that is what you need to get to heaven. But at the end of the day, moreover, it'll be Allah's mercy that gets you into heaven. Let's be honest. Because no matter what happens, even if we have, there was a thing that I read, that if you have one eyeball on a scale as compared to what Allah has done to you, eyeball is nothing. Vice versa. If you were to give Allah everything in your entire life, it's it's not comparison. It's not enough. You can't even thank Allah back for one eyeball. You can't thank Allah back for one fingernail. Like, how, how are your good deeds going to ever, you know, be the reason you get to heaven it's really because of god's mercy but that doesn't mean that we have the you know i'm sorry i hate to say this but some christians have this belief that it's jesus's you know jesus sacrifice believing that he died that's what they get to heaven that's not what we have you got to work hard you got to deserve it you got to do your good deeds you can't be a bad person on earth and then just expect to get to heaven because of god's mercy no you have to put in your end that's what will push you forward that's what will make you at least you know someone like i how do i say this like a nominee <laughs> that sounds like such a bad word but someone to be in the line to get to heaven. You have to. So you know guilt, it eats, it eats you up. That's the thing. Like it accumulates feelings. They grow, they grow, they grow, they grow. There's nothing that we can do about them. So after you know having this whole conversation. After being told that our job as Muslims is just to convey. That's it. We convey. We just tell them. We just say like this is Islam. This is what it's about. That's it. And I realized I'm like I'm making life a lot more complicated. Because it is Allah that is the turner of hearts. It's Allah that make opens up someone's heart to Islam. And if it's written for you, you're going to get it. But our job is just to convey. And I can't do anything after that. I did my best. I gave, I told them how you could pray. I told them, you know, this is the mosque. That's where you go. Like, I told them. But maybe they're going through a difficulty right now. Maybe they're going through hardship. And I like to hope the best that maybe, you know, they're just a little bit confused. But they're still on the deen. They're still praying. And we should always assume best about people. So... There's nothing that I could have done to change the situation. And moreover, this person also told me, the one that I talked to about all of this, you know, this feeling and emotion, I was crying. They said to me, they were like, you did the best that you could. And moreover, you did a really good job by distancing yourself. Because if you stayed in a situation that would constantly keep hurting you and hurting you and hurting you, you would have ended up losing yourself. You would have ended up also hurting yourself. And it would have created unhealthy attachments so you weren't wrong for what you did. And it's just that was the first time in my entire life that I've ever heard a thought like that come to me because my thoughts and the sh thoughts that I assumed from, you know, that I thought were from Allah, but they were from shaitan and they were from my nafs and all these bad things. I assumed that I was to be held accountable and that I was going to be guilty and that I wasn't going to be forgiven. And every single sin that this person does, I'm going to get blamed. And, you know, there's what's so funny is that there's this beautiful, I think, ayah or something in the Quran somewhere where they say that. You are only going to pay for what you did. Now, if you hurt someone that's different, but you're not going to be asked about other people. You're not going to be asked about your family. You're going to be asked about yourself. So you got to worry about yourself. You got to take care of yourself. And that's what I, I always used to tell people that too. But for some reason, I never followed it on my own. And you know, if a friend, I, I look back at this, and it's really, really sad. But if a friend came to me with this situation and they asked me for advice, 
I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh, I hope you go to hell. Like, you you deserve all this punishment. Stuck for a little, like, you're the worst being. How could you leave someone else out there? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to a friend. I'd tell a friend, your job was to convey. Your job was to show mercy, to help and show how great God is. God's job was to turn the heart. But then I started thinking, I'm like, if I would tell my friend that, why am I not telling myself that? And I was like, oh, you know, that that's mean. There's there's exceptions. I'm not a great person. I'm not this. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, no one's a great person. No one is. No one's perfect. So why are there so many exceptions and so much negativity when you talk to yourself? You need to have the same energy when you talk to yourself as you have with people that you love. You know, with people that I love, I'm so good to them. I love them. I try to take care of them. I always try. I always check up on them. Like, fear my friend, I always try to check up on you. Always try to text you. Always try to give you good words. I'm always there for you, telling you that Allah will forgive you no matter what. People always say to me, oh, you know, I committed too many sins. Allah's not going to forgive me. And I always tell them, I'm like, why do you think that? Like, Allah says in the Quran that he's going to forgive all sins. So he's going to forgive all sins. You just have to be sincere about it. You just have to be legit about it. So be honest in your intention and ask for repentance. But when it came to me, it was something completely different. And then I, I started sitting there and I was like, what deen are you following? What religion are you following? Because you, it's the same. The same applies to you, one for all. And... That is when I really started thinking and I was like, this is coming from someone that gives lots of dawah. So evidently, they kind of know what they're talking about, especially when they give them this much dawah. They give dawah it's, and a lot of the people, they took their shahada, which means evidently, they know what they're doing kind of. And it's really Allah that flips the hearts. It's Allah that changes the heart. And I always felt like there was a lack in my own dawah and my own sharing of me maybe not emphasizing the Quran verses to them enough to tell them to stay on this path. But you cannot make anyone stay on Surat al-Mustaqim. You can't. It's just, that's not how life works, okay? That's, that's on Allah. That's on Allah to do. That's not on us to do. So I had nothing to do after that. I just wiped out my tears and I was like, let's go up in there and get my math class done. Came out of my math class. I drove home and I was just sitting there and I was just thinking and I was like, I've owed myself guilt. For the past two and a half, three, I don't even know, so many years. For someone to tell me that I abandoned them when I did everything that I could in that situation. And moreover, in a situation where I have no control, I convey, Allah changes the heart. That's it. And after, you know, going through this phase of not only betrayal, self-guilt, self-war, manipulation, emotional guilt, sadness, just everything. It made me rewind and think, everything happened today, everything's been happening, all because of one broken promise. Subhanallah. Subhanallah, bro. Just saying. And it made me think, I was like, this one broken promise, this one promise where we stayed to help, to be there, to take care of each other, to, you know, maybe get back when we get, when we come better, to praying that, you know, Allah will open up our hearts to forgiveness and healing. This broken promise, this time that you've heard in me. And when you come to my face and you say to me that I'm not worth waiting for, that I'm not a good enough person, that I abandoned you, or that you couldn't sit here and wait forever, that you care, but you just got to move on now. It made me realize, and I'm like, shoot, the truth is in life, no one's going to wait for you. Let's be honest, no one's going to wait for you. And it hurts to hear that, and I know. But no one's going to wait for you. No one's going to sit there and be like, oh, this person needs 10 years to get their crap together, let's wait for them. No, i got to get my life together. I'm not going to sit here and wait for you. You don't, sometimes, and this is sad, and I should have mentioned this in my last episode, my last episode's on marriage. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm not ready yet to get married. And people are like, okay, okay, like, you know, I'll wait like 20 years. I'll wait my entire lifetime if I have to. Look, man, there's a difference between waiting two to three years for someone to get their crap together and you know that they're legit about it and you know that they're, like, they're going to speak with your family. Like, that's different, like getting your situation ready. 
And then being someone like a felon on the street and then trying to become, you know, a brand new person and you're saying that you need like 20, 30 years and that someone should wait on you for it, that's, that's very different. So, you know, especially being children, we, not even children, being naive, you make promises that sometimes you, you fail to keep. You make promises committing that you will, you know, open your heart and you'll help this person, you'll be there for that person. But sometimes not every single person's written for you, even if they're good, Okay. The same way Islam is good, but it's not written for everyone. Not everyone deserves good things, right? It, your actions, your intentions, they put you out on that path. Now, if you're not getting something good, and you think it's because of your spiritual faith, it's not. It really isn't. Allah tests us all in different things. Think about a test. that It could be a blessing and it could be a curse. At the same time, you get to decide. Blessing, you get back to close to Allah every single time. You learn more things, you become a better person. Curse, you completely stray away from the path. So either or, doesn't matter what you're going through. I don't care what your conditions are. You are living through a blessing and a test right now. You get to decide how you want to go about this. Okay? So that's, that's said. And it made me realize that having someone come to me and say uh, that I abandoned them and that I did this and... I guess in my mind, it was a genuine promise. I cried almost every day. I prayed for that person every day. And it was just kind of like, you know, I, I made a promise. Like, I'm going to get on my relationship with God. And this person get on their relationship with God. And then when we're really, really good, like, Allah's going to reunite it. Allah, I, that was my faith. I thousand percent believed Allah's going to reunite it. Now, in that promise and in that seeking of someone, I found I got something way better. That broken promise gave me something way better. And that was God. That gave me a relationship with God. And people don't like to hear this. But because of that day, because of that promise that happened quite a few years ago, because of this person taking their, maybe taking their shahada or whatever situation to be, again, we assume for the best. So may Allah grant them, you know, the death of a believer and all this good stuff. And that, that belief that this person took their shahada and I started kind of helping them out, teaching them this is about Islam. Made me realize that my Islam, my own knowledge is not that great. I got to fix myself. I got to heal myself. And I'm also very hurt. That isolation came all because of one broken promise by someone. And I cannot put into words how deep that promise was. That promise was so deep. Like we, deep words, deep emotions, lots of tears. Girl, I was very sad. But there's nothing me and you can do to change it. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing that we can do to make someone come to Islam. Or worship or become a better person. There's nothing. We don't control people. Allah does. So subhanAllah in the moment, you know, this broken promise, it was like the worst thing ever. And it was like, I, I, I won't, at that point I was sitting there and I was like, I did everything here. Because I wanted to become a better person so in the eyes of God. So God can reunite me with this person. That was the initial motive, right? It was like, I want to become better for this person. But then the motive started to change as I continued to do it. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. The sweetness of Iman is absolutely insane. I'm enjoying this. So then it became becoming better for God. So in the pursuit of trying to fulfill promises, become better, I found God. And you know, people, that broken promise, I could have went two ways about it. I could have either A, let it completely destroy my life, feel betrayed, never trust anyone again. Or B, I could realize that there's bad people in the world, but just as many bad, there's good. And there's people that are going to be consistent with your promise. The reality is, no matter what happens, everyone on this earth is going to let you down. No one can keep a promise full hand. It's only Allah that can keep that promise. Allah, has, Allah is the only one who has the capacity. Has Allah ever said anything to you? Or has anything in the Quran, in the Hadith, whatever, that ever came out to be a lie? Never. Ever. So... Who else can we trust? You keep expectations from people. People are going to hurt you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to violate you, obliterate you. They're going to hurt you. 
But if you keep expectations from Allah, no matter what happens, Allah's not going to do any wrong to you. Why do people have this perception that God's trying to hurt you? Think about it. What will God gain from hurting you? What will God gain from hurting you? You're just a normal person. It doesn't matter if you give up your entire life's beings and your self-worth and your human emotion, just everything, you're still not going to be able to repay God. So God's not going to get anything from you. God doesn't even need our worship. So what is God going to get from hurting you? Think about it both ways. Nothing. So you got to take every single bad promise, every single broken, hurt expectation, your broken heart, got to take that back to God. Got to deal it up with God. You got to heal with that. You know, so some people, they might wonder, why is that my turning point? But it was because it was it was a very bad time and I felt very, very alone, not only from the people around me, but also because I was isolated. So I had no one to motivate me, no one to encourage me, no one to be like, hey, get your life together. You know, let's work on remote. I didn't have any of that. So I had to blindly rely and trust on the fact that I'm going to dedicate my life to God and God's just going to fix it. Because that's all you can do. What else can you do after that? Right? So, I had no option. And that is where I think a lot of my iman and my my relationship with God stems from. Because of course it is because of his mercy and his kindness and whatnot. But it was really that action that changed me. Because I realized that us human beings are very, very weak. We're only capable of doing whatever we can. And our job is just to convey the message. So coming back to what I originally talked about in the very beginning, for the people that are reverts or that are not practicing in households that are like households that aren't practicing Islam that well, the thing is you can feel very much alone because now you don't have anyone to help you. You don't have anyone to boost you, to get start you, to just be there for you. But just like this, you have to remember that sometimes you just gotta blindly trust God and take a debt, take a die for it. Like you just gotta go. Because if we sit here, we wait till we're ready, we wait till we're, you know, feeling perfect and everything's going to be okay, that time's never going to come. You can try to wait, trust me, I've waited quite a few years of my life and I wasted those years because I never ended up feeling ready. So you're going to waste your own life doing that. You're going to chase other things, you're going to go through all that, you're going to go through the whole circle, the whole cycle. But you end up going to coming back and realizing that no matter what you chase, it doesn't matter if you're a revert or living in a house where they don't practice Islam enough, the one thing that's going to bring you peace is Islam. It's going to be the religion. It's going to be God. And to be honest, who cares what people say? I posted about this on my Instagram literally yesterday. One of the things that I sadly kind of have heard quite often, and it's a very insulting and embarrassing situation, is when people say to me that I'm not knowledgeable enough or that I shouldn't be speaking on the deen because, or giving da'wah or anything because of my age. There's never anything else. It's always, oh, because you're young. And you know, people, they always say you shouldn't be so religious when you're young. Just wait till you get older. Wait till you get older. Then when you're older, people are like, oh, you know, life's already gone by. Life is so short. Just do what you please. Like, there's always something at every age that people want to say when you want to follow your deen. So I've always heard quite a lot from people saying, like, I guess you could say I'm validating any of my Islamic knowledge because of my age. And it sucks because I'm not saying that I know anything. I'm not. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm really nothing. But my belief is that you can live for eternity and still not know all the knowledge about a religion. Islam is never ending. There's always so much more to learn. So even if we were to sit here for a lifetime, we probably still won't know anything. The whole point of gaining dawah, of 
you know, gaining knowledge and purifying and all this is that it purifies you. You're trying to please Allah by helping other people with their iman, which helps you with your iman, which helps please Allah. You please Allah. This whole cycle is to purify you. And if you're going to sit here and wait till you're ready, then you're never going to be ready. That's how God has made us. We, are on, we need to be purified. We need to go through these cycles. We need to put our end in and gaining knowledge. And gaining knowledge will help boost your iman so much more. So there's no reason for you to be neglecting yourself. I talked to the sister who told me about how her family, they don't let her go study. She can't go to college, nothing. And if she studies deen too much, they get a problem with it. And they're like, oh, you don't need to be doing all that. Listen to me. I don't care what happens. If your family says to you, oh, you shouldn't be, you know, studying Islam that much. Da, 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 da. Like, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. If it's bringing you peace and you are taking on tasks as much as you can handle in a good load, you know, you still got time for your family, still got time for yourself, do it. You know, there's certain families that like you start even like praying and they're like, mashallah, oh my gosh, she's so religious. Or they get annoyed sometimes. They're like, oh, we have to go out, you got to stop doing this. Bro, this is the basic requirements to be a Muslim. Really, it's the basic requirements. And so now for my people that are going on and about, that are gaining knowledge and giving da'wah and learning and this and that and whatever... You're going to meet a lot of people in your pathway that are going to block it and tell you that you're not good enough to be learning that. I have been told this quite a lot. Shockingly, some of you guys listen to me. You guys are like, oh, I can't believe you're 17. You're so knowledgeable. Mashallah, you're so wise. Can I be honest with you? I sometimes have been in situations quite a lot where people would insult me for not knowing enough instead of trying to teach me. And it's not an easy place to be in. I've been in rooms where people would most genuinely laugh at me if I said something wrong instead of being like, no, sweetie, this is not, no, this is how it is. Like, instead of educating me, they'd laugh. And that stuff is not easy, but you got to go through it. And sadly, that's one of the harder parts about gaining knowledge because people try to gatekeep knowledge. People try to act like, oh, you know, knowledge is for people that are older. You get older, you'll learn. No, don't get me wrong. There's certain lessons that come with age. You need to mature. You learn a few things. But knowledge is for everyone. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're 14, 13, 18. It doesn't matter if you're 33. Knowledge is for everyone. And can I be honest with you? I guarantee you, as you turn old, you end up regretting not gaining knowledge earlier. When you're young, your mind is in the right place. You might as well start focusing on the things that are going to benefit you as you grow older. So that's for my people that are struggling to gain iman and gain knowledge and just finding it hard to practice. You're only going to regret it later on. So you might as well start now. It doesn't matter what people think about you. You're not living for people. You're living for Allah. And when you live for Allah, everything else falls into place. Okay? You can feel guilty. You can feel upset. You can feel bad. And I've talked to so many reverts whose families have completely disowned them. Their families want nothing to do with them. And they're out there stranded living on their own. But at the same time, you need to look. You did all that you can with your family. You did all that you could to show them how Islam made you a better person, but they weren't ready to accept it. So what else can you do? Nothing. You can blindly sit there and just worship God. Sometimes it takes a motive from this world to push us to start worshiping God. Some very, very big things. Sometimes, you know, you made a promise with someone like I did. You to fulfill, to become a better person, to become someone better for someone else. You start to worship God because, you know, God will heal you. But in that process, you end up cutting out, detoxing, and losing all the people that don't actually want anything good for you. And let me tell you, I've lost so many people that I'm 
bear lonely. People say to me all the time in my DMs how lonely they are and how they don't have a community and how my podcast made them feel better. Y'all, I'm the same way. I don't have anyone here. That's exactly why I have a podcast because I like to talk about these things, but I have no one to talk about them with. So I share them on here. So likewise, sometimes all you have to do is to keep blind trust, hope in God and realize that worshiping is never going to harm you. Now we shouldn't be extreme. And we shouldn't burden ourselves more than we can bear. Don't be doing so much that you can't even make time for yourself. That you're not even intaking anything. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. But do take time to reflect on maybe an eye of the Quran. Or maybe sit there and watch a video. Something about Islam. Do it small, small, small and build up. No one's expecting you to be, you know, a hafiz overnight. No one's accepting anything good from you. But it's just about doing the small things that will help you remember your Lord a lot more. In this journey, you're going to find a lot of people that are going to tell you that you're not deserving, that you shouldn't be doing this. Or there's going to be people that are going to try to misguide you and they're going to completely try to obliterate your deen and obliterate what you believe in and say that this whole religion is wrong. You're going to fall in buswasa, you're going to fall in doubt. You might, some people get OCD because they want to be so perfect in the prayer, but they're, they're not realizing that your human nature is imperfect. So what are you expecting out of yourself? Okay? So remember that. Take that into account. For my people that are reverts and growing up in households that probably don't promote them to be, you know, be too religious. Remember that you can never be too religious, really. Just don't be extreme and don't, de- like, by extreme, I mean, like, don't overburden yourself. But I'm telling you, the more and more you feel iman, the more sweetness, you're going to dive in, bro. Let me tell you something. Growing up, anytime anyone used to talk about religion, I used to get irritated. I was like, oh my god, it's so boring. Like, it's so boring. Like, there's nothing here to discover. There's a god, there's prophets, peace people know them, and that's it. Like, what is here for us to talk about? It's not going to change my life in any way. And I was, I was young, and I still thought that when I was like 14, 15. I was like, there's nothing here. Or, like, th- this is it. Like, it's shut, it's compact. Let's, let's, okay, like, we act upon it, whatever. But that was because I was raised in places where people laughed at you if you got a question wrong that is where you're in situations where maybe gaining knowledge is not that big of a thing and the only thing you're told is the five pillars but when you dive in islam you realize that it has a lot of emotional connections for humans but people don't talk about the emotional side they just talk about what you got to do they don't ever tell you why you got to do it they just tell you what you got to do so dive into it dive deep into the religion you know I sometimes consider becoming a niqabi. I'm not going to lie to you guys. And it's insane. Because I sit here and I say that word and I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, is this me? And I get so shocked because I, oh, I never even thought that I'd sit here and I'd like talking about Islam would be a hobby of mine. You could pay me a million dollars and I wouldn't believe you. It was, that's just how it was. That's how subtle Allah is in changing us. And it can take someone's broken promise or heartbreak or anything to make you to this point. So maybe if you're going through any of these things, you need to remember, you can become someone insanely amazing if you allow yourself to be. One of the cycles that I go through quite often, which sucks, is that my iman, it's like seeking knowledge really helps my iman. And that's like one of the only things that really makes it feel better besides prayer. At certain times, I will end up feeling very frustrated and harsh with myself. I'm not going to lie to you guys, I'm very, very vicious on myself. If you're close to me, you know that I don't even like to ask for help. I'm, I don't like to ask for help. I'm very vicious. I'm my biggest judger. And I will always belittle everything that I do. And I'm always like, oh, this is not enough. Like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm studying this, but that's not enough. Yeah, sure, like, people like my content, but I can do better. Like, 
And as Muslims, we should always be trying to reach a level of excellence, yes. But you should also try to be reaching a level of excellence in understanding your self-worth and understanding what you're capable of doing. So sometimes I tend to overburden myself with more than I can ever handle. It makes my iman happy, it makes me happy, but it completely ruins my routine because I'm like behind and I don't know what to do. Like It's just, you know, it takes you out of your schedule. Like There's so much overburdening you sometimes, but you need to do these things because they make your iman feel better. Here's the thing consistency is key you can be doing one ayah a day and if you're consistent you need rewarded for it i sometimes belittle my deeds and i'm like oh this is not enough to get me to heaven so i gotta add this on i gotta start doing this i gotta start doing this and subconsciously i start to add on so many things that i can't handle it and then that's how you make religion a burden so don't do that be proud of yourself for the little little things that you do and in your brain every single communication every time you eat every time you sleep make an intention that you're doing this to become better, to worship better, to become a better human being, and you'll be rewarded for doing it. Simple. So don't be so vicious on yourself. Allah remembers even an atom weight of a good deed. So if you smiled at someone today on the road that you don't even remember, that's on you. You got a good deed. Like there's so many good little little things that we do in our day that we completely ignore and we get so vicious because we're not seeing these big humongous changes in ourselves. You're in the process right now. You're in the changing, bro. Like you are becoming someone great. But you gotta believe that you are and you gotta see the little little changes that have come in your life whether it's you stop listening to music for three months be part of yourself you stopped whether you started praying on five times a day be part of yourself you started doing it small things you know i sometimes think and i'm like oh when i'm a hafiz you know i have the whole quran memorized that's when i'm gonna be the most part of myself but when i reach that point i know that it's gonna be something else that i'm gonna set a standard to and i'm gonna be like oh it's still not enough and don't get me wrong that's a good way of thinking to always promote and do more but you also need to sit down take a moment to be proud because you've made it far and allah is just as much as proud as you okay the way that you feel the way that your emotions are that doesn't project god's love for you i know some people they're like i feel ugly i feel horrible i hate myself da, da, da. that doesn't mean god hates you don't project the way that you feel on yourself. Don't project your insecurities on yourself. Don't think that that's how God views you. Because God has nothing to take from you, nothing to harm from you. Why? Don't think like that. You, the way that you project and view yourself is only going to hurt you. Because God's by your side. God knows that you're capable of accomplishing anything. You're capable of, you know, seeing and becoming who you wish to be. But it's only you that's holding yourself back maturity and all these things yes they come with age but knowledge is what truly makes someone wise so go out there gain your knowledge gain what's good for you stop being so vicious on yourself and realize that no matter what you do when it comes to faith to obtain faith to grow faith you need to be consistent and you need to be honest honest with yourself honest with god this is as much as i can do i can't do more than this then be consistent with what you can do there's a lot of people that are like, well, I want to attend this school. I want to go here and I want to get a degree in this and, you know, Islamic studies and, and all these things. And they have all these accomplishments. Listen to me. If you make the intention to do these things in your lifetime, you plan it out like, oh, you know, maybe by the time I'm 30, I'll stop. Like, I'll have the Quran memorized or by the time, you know, maybe in March, I'll start studying like the Sharia law or whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever you choose, I'll start, you know reading a juice a day whatever you choose bruh you make the intention to do it and you let's say you don't live that long to do it you're still going to be rewarded as if you did it because you intended for it so make the intention in your brain and kind of mentally map it out 
realize that, okay, I want to study this, I want to study this, 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 map it out, and then slowly, slowly progress and work your way there. Don't sit there and overnight grab all these things and be like, okay, I'm starting doing all this today, adapting my routine, and this is it. I'm not, I'm not changing my mind. No. Islam is a slow, 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 slow progress. You gotta move slow. If I know someone who completely wiped out their identity after taking their shahada, wiped it out, like they're no one who they used to be, and now they kind of suffer because of it, because it feels too sudden. That's also a problem. So be kind, be slow, and be patient. Because iman is something that's going to fluctuate your entire lifetime. But the whole point is, no matter what happens, keep the intention of trying to become better for God. Now, you may mess up. You may do things. You may have people hurt you. Getting cheated on, getting deceived on, getting hurt, getting manipulated, it sucks. But for us to sit here and think, oh, you know, something happened this, this way, or if I look like this person, if I was this pretty, or if I was like this, maybe then I wouldn't have gotten hurt this way. No, it probably still would have happened. We can't control that. It probably still would have happened. Whatever is written is written. There's no ifs and ands and buts and I wish there's no. There's nothing we can do. So the best thing that you can do is instead of keeping stupid expectations from people that don't even care to fulfill them, keep your expectations from God. Because no matter what happens, God does not break a promise. This journey is not easy. Gaining knowledge is not easy. Being hurt is not easy. But if you do it, the reward is endless. It's going to benefit you. Inshallah, this discussion was useful to someone. I hope that you guys loved this episode. Please join my girls' Discord. It's growing so much, guys. Mashallah, and I'm so happy to have all of you there with us. Um, I started this new thing called Topic of the Week in there where I drop a topic and we all talk about it. It's really cute. So I hope you all have such a great, amazing day. Mala, keep you all so happy. Assalamu alaikum.